Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to the December edition of my 2017 One Month to a More Effective Compliance Program podcast series, where each month I take a deep dive into a specific part of a best practices compliance program. In the month of December, I'm taking a deep dive into better written standards, which form the very backbone of your compliance program. Written standards include codes of conduct, policies, and procedures, and we're going to be taking a very deep dive into the design of all of these training and revising and updating. We'll also take a look at the information communicated by the Department of Justice on what specific policies should be included in your best practices compliance program, including policies on gifts, travel, business entertainment, charitable donations, facilitation payments, third parties, and cybersecurity. We'll also take a look at certain enforcement actions and opinion releases to see what other information we can glean from these. My sponsor this month is my Doing Compliance Masterclass. We recently concluded the first Masterclass in November 2017. I'm co-hosting this with Jonathan Marks at Markham LLC. We will be putting on a full series of classes in 2018. Check back for details. This month's podcast series will give you information which will allow you to set up the very foundation of your compliance program. My podcast series on one month to a more effective compliance program is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Day 17, enforcement actions featuring facilitation payments. One of the more confusing areas of the FCPA is that of facilitation payments. Facilitation payments are small bribes, but make no mistake about it, they are bribes. For that reason, many companies feel they are inconsistent with a payment of making of facilitation payments and is inconsistent with the company culture of doing business ethically and in compliance with laws prohibiting bribery and corruption. Further, the 2012 FCPA guidance specifies that while payment a payment may qualify as an exception to the FCPA's anti-bribery provisions, it may violate other laws, both in the foreign country and elsewhere. In addition, if the payment is not accurately recorded, it could violate the FCPA's books and records provision. Finally, the FCPA guidance states, whether a payment falls within the exception or not is dependent is not dependent on the size of the payment. Though size can be telling, as a large payment is more suggestive of corrupt intent to influence a non-routine government action. But, like the FCPA's anti-bribery provisions more generally, the facilitation payment exception focuses on the purpose of the payment rather than its value. In addition to these clear statements about whether the FCPA should continue to allow bribes, you should also consider the administrative nightmare for any international company. The UK Bribery Act does not have any such exception, exemption, or defense along the lines of the FCPA facilitation payment exception. This means that even if your company allows a facilitation payment, it must exempt out every UK company or subsidiary from the policy. Further, if your company employs any UK citizens, they are subject to the UK Bribery Act no matter who they work for and where they work in the world, so they must be exempted. Finally, if your U.S. company does business with a U.K. company or any other company subject to the U.K. Bribery Act, you may be well prevented from contractually making facilitation payments while working under that company's company's contract. As I said, an administrative nightmare. Interestingly, 
One of the clearest statements about facilitation payments comes not from an FCPA, FCPA case about facilitation payments, but from the Kay versus Rice case, which dealt with another issue under the FCPA. That case dealt with whether payment of bribes to obtain a favorable tax ruling was prohibited under the FCPA. In its opinion, the Fifth Circuit commented on the limited nature of the facilitation payment exception when it stated, a brief review of the types of routine government actions by Congress shows how limited Congress wanted to make the Greece exceptions. Routine government actions, for instance, include obtaining permits, licenses, or other official documents to qualify for a person to do doing business in a country, scheduling inspections associated with the contract performance or inspections related to the transit of goods across the country. Therefore, routine government action does not include the issuance of every official document or every inspection, but only a document that qualifies a party to do business and scheduling an inspection very narrowly categories of large non-discretionary ministerial activities performed by mid or low level government functionaries. So now I'd like to turn to some of the enforcement actions we've had involving facilitation payments. And we've only had a few, so uh, there's really not that many to talk about but they do give us some guidance as to what should go into your facilitation payment policy. Number one, Conway. In 2008, Conway Inc., a global freight forwarder, paid a $300,000 penalty for making hundreds of relatively small payments to customs officials in the Philippines. The value of the payments Conway was fined for making totaled 244000 and were made to induce the officials to violate customs regulations, settle customs dispute, and reduce or not enforce otherwise legitimate fines for administrative violations. Case number two, Helmer Campaign. In 2009, Helmer Campaign, a Tulsa-based company, paid a penalty and disgorgement fee of $1.3 million for payments which were made to secure customs clearances in Argentina and Venezuela. The payments ranged from $2,000 to $5,000, but were not properly recorded and were made to the import-export of goods that were not, were not within the respective countries' regulations to import goods that could not lawfully be imported and to evade higher duties and taxes on goods. And finally, and most significantly is the panel PINA enforcement action. This matter was partly resolved with a payment by panel PINA and six of its customers for, of over $257 million in fines and penalties. Panel PINA, acting as the freight forwarder for its customers, made payments to circumvent import laws, reduce customs duties and tax assessments, and to obtain preferential treatment for importing certain equipment into various countries, but primarily in West Africa. So what can we gain or garner from these three cases? Well, Helmer campaign was very interesting because of the amounts paid, 2,000 to 5,000. Now with Conway, we also had relatively low payments. And when you put those two cases together, they give you uh, an indication that the it's the intent of the payments, not the amount of the payments. 
So we've got payments as low as $2,000, which were found to be FCPA violations. Now, of course, Panalpina is a much more systemic uh, play, uh, bribery scheme. But here, the in interesting thing is what the government did when they got to Panalpina. Someone at the government got the bright idea that if Panalpina was doing it for one com company, which of course was Vetco Gray, it may be doing it for others. So if there is a freight forwarder or logistic service provider or other third party that you share with competitors and they have engaged in bribery and corruption for their competitors, you need to check and see if that's true for your company as well. So what are today's three key takeaways? Well, number one, do not forget the administrative nightmare of facilitation payments for international organizations. You literally have to keep track of everything everywhere. And then with the UK Bribery Act, you've got to uh, have a carve out for anything UK related. Number two, although not a facilitation payment case, the K decision made clear how narrow the routine government action exception is and it certainly presaged a narrow interpretation of any exemptions, exceptions, or defenses under the FCPA. And finally, number three, facilitation payments will usually be an add-on to a major FCPA enforcement action as they are symptomatic of either a paper compliance program or a company which is simply culturally not uh, dedicated to do business ethically and in compliance with the FCPA. This is Tom Fox. I hope you've enjoyed day 17 of one month to better written standards. And I hope you'll join me tomorrow for day 18, where we explore what's needed on your policies regarding facilitation payments. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you for listening to this episode of one month to better written standards and a compliance program. I hope you'll join me tomorrow for another episode. If you have listened to this podcast on iTunes, I would ask that you would rate our podcast as it would help in our rankings and also help get the word out about the only daily podcast, which will give you a hint or tip to improve your compliance program. Also, if you have any questions, you can email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. This is Tom Fox. Thank you again for listening. I hope you'll join me tomorrow. My podcast series of one month to a better compliance program is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.